Ah, Faith, it's summertime. Summertime has given us so much. It's given us hot fun in the summertime. Summer lovin'. And a little bit of murder up at Camp Crystal Lake. Don't you mean Camp Blood? Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my hockey mask slasher of a co-host, Faith. I haven't quite made it to the hockey mask phase. I'm still rolling with wearing a sack over my horribly disfigured, murdered some bitch of a face. Leave a little something for the sequel. That's what I say. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. We would like to welcome each and every one of you to the program. Be you a spook, specter, astral traveler from Dimension X, or a murdering some bitch and slasher with mommy issues. Welcome, one and all. You've tuned in just in time for our summer slasher series. That's right. We are spotlighting slasher films that take place in the summer. Hence the title, Summer Slasher Series. We like to keep things simple here. Our film tonight comes to us from the early 80s. You know the 80s, don't you, Faith? Morning in America, Molly Ringwald, and the Rubik's Cube. We were also still in the golden age of the slasher picture, the era ushered in by John Carpenter's seminal 1978 work, Halloween. The movie we're discussing tonight is a sequel to one of the films released in the wake of that movie and properly introduced audiences to one of the genre's classic and most beloved killers, Jason Voorhees. Faith, what are we talking about tonight? From director Steve Miner, we have 1981's Friday the 13th Part 2, starring Amy Steele, Adrian King, and John Fury. The tagline on this movie's poster says it all. The body count continues. A new camp on the shores of Crystal Lake is getting ready to open for business, and little do these oh-so-attractive teenagers and wannabe counselors know that Jason Voorhees, the son of Pamela Voorhees, the killer in the original Friday the 13th, is open for business too and will use any tool at his disposal to go about his work. The tools of his trade include an ice pick, barbed wire, a hammer, a spear, and of course, a machete. Jason likes to mix things up. Released on May 1st, 1981, critics were as kind to Friday the 13th Part 2 as our masked killer was to his victims, but the film was a hit with audiences and set the template for what was to come in the series. Gruesome deaths, skinny dipping, and a little confusion? Don't spoil the sequels, Faith. Sorry. And put that bag back on your head. Tonight, we will be scoring the film in two categories, overall film and license to kill. That's right. We're going to grade the creativity of Mr. Voorhees' work. In lieu of stars, we will be awarding the film, Faith, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it, Machetes. I like it. I knew you would. Jason is our slasher. Amy Steele is our final girl. We are going to take a short pause for a coffee cause, and when we get back, we're going to post-mortem Friday the 13th, Part 2. I am Dan. And I am Faith. You are listening to The Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We will see you on the other side. It's 12.01, The Witching Hour. You are listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in five, four, three, two, one. (laughs) 
it's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. With interest rates at about half the record highs of 1980, nearly 2,000 families today will buy new homes, more than at any time in the past four years. This afternoon, 6,500 young men and women will be married. And with inflation at less than half of what it was just four years ago, they can look forward with confidence to the future. It's morning again in America. And under the leadership of President Reagan, our country is prouder and stronger and better. Why would we ever want to return to where we were less than four short years ago? Sir Isaac Newton unraveled the mysteries of gravity. But could he have unraveled the mysteries of Rubik's Cube? Three weeks ago, Judge Smith retired to her chambers with Exhibit A, Rubik's Cube. She hasn't been seen since. Warning, once you get your hands on Rubik's Cube, you may never be able to put it down. Rubik's Cube, over three billion combinations, but just one solution from Ideal. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at latenightfrightpodcast at gmail.com. Guess what, Faith? We got an email this past week. We got an email from Mr. Michael Whitaker in Pennsylvania. He said hello to us, and you know what? We're going to say hello right back to him. He is going to Blobfest this weekend Ooh. up in Pennsylvania. They filmed the original 1958 Blob starring Steve McQueen. The movie theater that they all ran out of, they have Blobfest there every year. Mr. Lobo, the great host of Cinema Insomnia and the president of OSI 74. You should all be checking out OSI 74. Oh, yes. He always goes up there and hosts uh, a movie this year. He hosted the film that they're showing while they're in the movie theater in the blob. Michael uh, wrote to let us know Blob Fest was happening this weekend, said it would be a great week for us to do the blob. Michael, we didn't have time to get to it uh, because our schedule is pretty rigid in advance, but we are going to get to the 1958 blob film. He said uh, the 1988 blob episode that we did, he really enjoyed it and uh, thanked him for that. Michael, thank you so much for getting in touch with us. Uh, We'd love to do an interview with you and and get your blob fest experience because they're doing it virtually this year, but he was... uh, planning on attending so he told me he'll let me know virtual blob fest virtual blob fest <laughs> that's a that's a tongue twister it is a tongue Say twister five times fast. virtual blob fest mr lobo <laughs> seriously mr lobo is if you're not so if you're great. not hip to mr lobo and his lovely wife dixie and all the things that they do uh please please get hip to that and michael again thank you for reaching out and uh hope to hear from you again hope this episode is as good as the blob episode so enjoyed the blob me too. Really enjoyed it. Me too. All right. Friday the 13th, part two is up. It begs the question, is this a slasher film or a morality tale, Faith? <laughs> Everyone who drinks drugs and sexes seems to get it. So, Drinks drugs? 
Drinks, drugs, and sexes. Drinks, drugs. They're drinking the drugs. They're like Mr. T. <laughs> Drink the drugs. <laughs> Here's a question. Is Jason Voorhees a representative of the puritanical evangelicals? Is Jason Voorhees doing the Lord's work? Maybe we'll answer that tonight. Maybe not. Sometimes we forget. We've been doing this recently. We always say that we're going to take a short pause for a coffee cause, and we really do get coffee <laughs> in that short pause. So let's do a coffee check. Faith, what are you drinking tonight? I have the New Orleans blend or the New Orleans roast from Community Coffee. The so dark good. roast. Dark roast. It is yeah. very good. It is so available good. in bags or in pods. It's a wonderful dark roast. It's a great way to get your morning going. It's also a great evening coffee. Mm -hmm. I'm going with an old favorite. I've got Maxwell House, just their original blend. Sometimes you just want that diner feel, don't you? Yes. You want that diner yes. feel. Maybe a diner out in, around Crystal Lake, right? You're sitting there drinking this coffee, and you're you're keeping up on all the mayhem and going on. And then all of a sudden, on. you're dead because Jason gets you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, we got a little bit of business here. Let's get some of this out the way. Tonight's film was directed by Steve Miner. His other credits include Halloween H2O. We did that on the show. Mm -hmm. Do you like Halloween H2O? In a way. For the most part, the I most really part, like it. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. He also directed Lake Placid. Do you like Lake Placid, Faith? I've only seen parts of that movie. Okay, it's been a long time since I've seen Lake Placid. He directed the sequel to this film, Friday the 13th, Part 3. He also directed the Mel Gibson film, Forever Young. And he has a slew of other television and film projects. He's been around a long time. And to me, he just kind of seems to know what he's doing. Doesn't he, Faith? It seems like it. His movies are always yeah. very solid. He's been working steadily. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a, he's a working man. He's a journeyman. I respect that. I respect that. The mm -hmm. film was written by Ron Kurz. And truthfully, I always thought these things either wrote themselves or were documentaries. <laughs> Are we sure this isn't a documentary? I mean, it feels like one. It really does. The film Highlander is a documentary, is it not? Isn't that correct? <laughs> I think it is. Uh, yeah. So Absolutely. Uh, this might just be a documentary. I don't know. I thought they wrote themselves. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the Blair Witch Project. You know? Yeah. <laughs> they just and they just happen to have the camera at yeah. the right places right? to catch catch all the action. The score is by Harry Manfredini. He returns from the first film. We're going to talk about him a little bit because I think Mr. Manfredini is the star of these, these pictures. Also returning from the first film is Adrian King as Alice. She's the final girl from the first Friday. She doesn't last too long here. She, she meets her final moments. She meets her final. <laughs> she's, she's final for sure. <laughs> and uh, we have a little foreshadowing of the way the Scream franchise would off people in the first scene and maybe a bit of foreshadowing of Catherine Trammell, the Sharon Stone character from Basic Instinct, who famously used an ice pick to off her victims after offing them. You <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? I think everyone knows what you, you mean. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. <laughs> Betsy Palmer also returns as Pamela Voorhees in a nice cameo towards the end of the film. We also have War Walt Gorney reprising his role as Crazy Ralph. And he's also not in it very much. Our final girl is Amy Steele. She portrays Ginny Field. Her little VW bug doesn't run too well. We have John Fury as Paul. He's the gentleman opening up a new camp on the shores of Crystal Lake. So in a way, this is all his fault. There's also some other counselor, trainee, wannabes. Some die and some live. Are their names important? Can we even keep up with their names? Do their names matter? They are but lambs to the slaughter. 
Steve Daskowitz portrays Jason Voorhees and Warrington Gillette. That's a great name. Warrington Gillette. Warrington Gillette. I like it. He plays the unmasked Jason scene in the end of the film. The plot, do we really need to go over the plot? It's pretty simple. (laughs) Jason kills some kids in a variety of ways. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Should have said that beforehand. (laughs) Friday the 13th, part two. Faith, what did you think of this movie? I actually really enjoy this movie. And I think I said last week it had been a while since I'd seen it. But putting it on, I actually realized it wasn't that long that I had that had watched it and it's a really good movie. I think it, I think it's really enjoyable. It's got some good stuff in it. You know, the tendency with these movies, these slasher films, especially in the golden era, when you start getting in the sequel territory Mm -hmm. with these movies is you're going to need to bring some crackers for the cheese, (laughs) you know, you know what I mean? And, uh, a lot of these movies are grown worthy and, and the, best way possible they're so uh trite some of them it's so cliche a lot of it i did not groan once watching this movie nor did i feel that i needed to bring crackers except for the fact that crackers are delicious and would have made a nice treat watching the movie yeah Yeah. no this movie it definitely isn't cheesy like all you know some sequels out there and yeah. sequels in this franchise. Sequels in this franchise, yeah. I feel that this movie is really better than it has any right to be. Oh, agree. And uh, we talked about Steve Miner. We we listed a few of his credits. This guy is extremely competent. This guy has quite a Hitchcock influence happening, mm-hmm. you know. And this movie is very competently made. You can tell that this is this was not just you know strung together. You right. know, the opening scene with Adrian King is very good. It, it takes up a good eight minutes of the film. I want to bring this up, uh, but part of that eight minutes is rehashing the original film they're showing you know and it's kind of funny because this movie is 40 years old at the time of this recording celebrating its anniversary this year well vcrs weren't you know a big thing back then Mm -hmm. so they were having to rehash what came before so you knew exactly um and that's fine i actually really enjoyed because i kind of forgot some of Mm -hmm. what was going on so it was nice to see it and put it in context but uh there's some honest tension in that scene with Adrian King. And I think it's pretty much almost like one take, like you're just following her around mm-hmm. her little apartment and then she gets stalked and she gets killed kind of brutally with the ice pick. And you're not exactly sure who it is mm-hmm. that's doing it. I want to talk about that because I'm still confused about a little bit <laughs> of the lore here. Um, but I really think that the movie from top to bottom, I think the performances are fine. You know, again, it's, it, there's a tendency to groan with these things. The acting is not usually the best because they're getting young people and they're getting young people maybe in film and theater, right. you know, and, and they're working for cheap. And um, the acting, I thought, was very good. Yeah, I, I, I believed actually, the lambs to the slaughter I here. actually didn't hate, yeah, I didn't hate the cast. I actually really enjoyed the cast. I want to go back to the apartment really quick because it makes me laugh. Anytime I make tea, I think of this movie. Because <laughs> I just think of the tea kettle going off and it just reminds me of, yeah. you know, this movie. Yeah. It's funny. So... I have some other like kind of uh, uh, specific things to the film I want to talk about, but I want to talk about a few things that are peripheral to to this film and to the genre Mm -hmm. in in general. When these movies were in their heyday and uh, the golden age as we've defined, 
we like to say 78 to like 84. Mm-hmm. So basically we go Halloween, Michael Myers, the Freddy Krueger <laughs> in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I want to bring up a point about Freddy in a second here. But um, you can extend that to 88 with Child's Play because you do have a bunch of sequels. And then he's kind of the last original mm-hmm. kind of character there. And uh, and he's rightfully so. It's, that's an interesting, fun little movie. Oh, too. yeah. But, um, but the Golden Age, there was a lot of criticism thrown at these movies by parents and older types as, oh, this is gratuitous violence. This is gratuitous sex. This is, uh, you know, this is basically not good for you. You're going to rot your brain with this. Um, I'm looking at this now. We're 40 years removed. I have kind of two points I want to make here. The first point is I don't think of it as you know, realism, like you would get like with some of the torture porn stuff, you know, where you're like, it's handheld, you're up in the middle of it, Uh they're cutting off their limbs, you know, and you're feeling every kind of uh, incision. Saw movies. Like Saw or Hostel or something like that. I could not watch those movies. Like Saw or Hostel or something, you know. And um, I, I find it, I don't know what this says about me. Let me see where you are in this. Almost cartoonish in a way. Mm-hmm. Kind of cartoonish. Yeah. And for me, it's not that these are movies that are trying to capture realism or anything like that. What I'm equating this movie and a lot of the movies in this series and some of the other slasher series, they're kind of like the haunted house you'd go to when you were a teenager mm-hmm. or, or a preteen. I'm not talking about the professional haunted houses <laughs> that you have like downtown, yeah. you know, where they take that way <laughs> seriously. I'm talking about the ones that like the county fair or, or the church fair or the y- schools putting on or something. Yeah. Yeah. The schools <laughs> putting on and you go in there and it's a little uh, intimidating cause it's dark and things reach right. out to you and you get that, that rush of adrenaline and then you run out and then you're fine. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what these movies, what I these movies so. are, are are kind of like. Mm-hmm. I, I could go there with you. Um, the other thing is, we're uh, we're talking about the slasher films, and we've made mention before, and this was not our idea. These are critics of, <laughs> and historians have made this point, and rightfully so. That movies in general are always a product of the time in which they're made. Horror movies, in particular, though, reflect the times in which they uh, they come out and they do that in a great way because they're reflecting a lot of ways direct fears mm-hmm. of the people. We see that in the 50s with the atomic movies, with movies like Godzilla, which beautifully captures the feelings of the Japanese people after having not one but two atomic bombs mm-hmm. dropped on them. I'm not making light of that. Right. Um, you brought up the point when we did the Godzilla film uh, a few years ago that uh, the skin of Godzilla was modeled on the look of the survivors of of that who got radiation burns. Mm-hmm. Um, so his skin, you know, and, and so that reflects the fears, mm-hmm. you know, or or just the times in, in general where they yeah. find themselves. So here we have slasher films, and this was occurring to me as I'm watching this, and Sean Cunningham, who directed the original Friday, uh, and, and in recent years has said he's not quite proud of the series. You know, I'm sure he's proud of the money that's in the bank. Oh, I'm but, sure. <laughs> but, uh, and, and I don't think he means this in a derogatory way, but he's like, you know, they're not exactly art pictures. It's just what it, what it is, and these kids were going in. They weren't being scared by high concepts. They were being scared by gore and killings and, you know, mm-hmm. quick 
you know, what these movies are, right? And it occurred to me as I was watching it, if horror is a reflection of the time in which it is released, then the kids in 1981 and 1980, well, 78 even with mm-hmm. Halloween, who were going to see these movies were kids when the news reports of Vietnam were happening on television. And that was one of the first wars where you had nightly television reports mm-hmm. and you would see caskets, you know, and, and, and so people were familiar with this. And this was a war that was in the living room, you know. Right. And I'm wondering if they were responding to this. Mm-hmm. Because of that, because if of that. if if that's a, a direct, if there's a correlation between those two things, I'm, I'm I don't have an answer on that, but it's a thought that occurred it's to me. A, it's when a great I was watching, thought. I think it's a great thought when I was watching it, and you could even make the point uh, because if you look at something like Rambo, First Blood, which came out in '82, uh, the Jason films and and Rambo, especially when he's out in the jungle and in the forest, they share a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. So I. I I'm not saying there's a direct correlation, but I feel like that's something that could be explored. And I don't oh, know. I think so, for sure. Maybe possibly there is something out there that has explored that. But mm-hmm. I, it's a very, it's something that was, that was yeah. popping in my head. So, and then that led me to something else too, which is in the 30s and 40s, we have the golden age of the horror movie. And we love these movies, don't love, we? Love, and I know love. all the listeners out there oh, love, love these movies too, <laughs> too because they're such uh, iconic figures and films and, and they're gateway oh, they're characters into, into every branch of the horror tree. You know, And let's talk about these names. Let's talk about these characters and these creatures. Who we got? Faith, the universe. We got Dracula, Dracula. right? We got Frankenstein. Yes. Who else? We got Bride of Frankenstein. The Wolfman, right? The Creature from the Black Lagoon. The Creature from the Black Lagoon, right? We have these kind of larger-than-life people. Yeah, the Invisible Man. The Invisible Man, yeah. Uh, They even did the Phantom of the Opera, you know? So monstrous, monstrous people, right? These monstrous people. Okay. We get into the slasher film. We don't have people like Dracula and Frankenstein. No, no, no. We have guys named Michael, Jason, Freddy. Chucky. (laughs) Chucky. And I'm wondering if there is a connection between what I just said about the Vietnam War on TV influencing now. This is what these kids are going in or being scared of. And the horror is a little more. Closer to home. Closer to home. Mm-hmm. It's just the horror is almost, I guess, in a way normalized, possibly. You know, these names, Jason, mm-hmm. Freddy, those, there's nothing outstanding about that. No, you know, that's those, not that's your next door neighbors. <laughs> there's nothing kind of otherworldly, you know, like mm-hmm. when you say Dracula, Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. If I said my neighbor was Dracula, you automatically, you go to Dracula. Like, oh, okay, he's, he's a vampire. <laughs> And it turns my out that na- we're going to live out Fright Night, right? <laughs> is that <laughs> my neighbor is Michael? Okay, you know yeah. you're not instantly. Most people are yeah. going to say, "Oh, Michael Myers." So that is an so, that is interesting thought. Yeah, yeah, and that's just a it's a thought that I've had because that is kind of one of the the mm-hmm. things with those with those movies that the killer is just kind of a a guy, mm-hmm. kind of a normal guy, quote unquote normal mm-hmm. guy. You know, do they really have super, you know, Freddie, I know can do the dream thing, but they they don't really have like superpowers. You know, they're just, they have kitchen utensils and, (laughs) or, or farm Uh, utensils in Jason's, Jason's, uh, Jason's case. And I want to make one more kind of point here related to this genre Mm -hmm. at this time. 
uh, as it relates to our time. And this is very interesting to me. These characters were considered just scary, you know, 40 years ago. Right. Listen, I was a kid in the 80s and they scared me. You know, I, I grew up, you know, fearing, fearing them and right. I lost sleep over them. <laughs> and so this is the irony here. So at the time I'm growing up in the 80s, early 90s, you know, they're commercial. They've commercialized the universal monsters and the universal monsters. I didn't have any problem with those. They didn't scare me. They were they went, they, they feel almost welcoming and like yeah homey <laughs> homey yeah very homey and very inviting mm-hmm. and they're in a way cute and cuddly i guess because they're yes. commercial and i have them i had um posters of uh bella and boris up on my wall yeah i loved i was a monster kid i love these movies these, these other guys scared me though mm-hmm. yeah you know, at the time yeah and they scared me and so i remember as a kid going i wonder if my grandmother is scared of these things as I'm watching that they bother her, you know, mm-hmm. and this is interesting. So as I got older, the slashers, which I mean, I, I fell in love with the slashers. <laughs> yeah. But there is a little part of me that's still scared of, of each one of them. And yeah. rightfully so you should be, you should be. <laughs> but my niece who's 22 is not terrified of these people at all. And is she afraid of anything more like in the, um, I think some of the newer stuff, scares her but like these classic now characters like don't scare her okay. at all and i'm still kind of like ooh, you know <laughs> oh freddie you know <laughs> and uh oh, yeah and it's funny because at halloween if you go out to like any like a, a drugstore or something you know you see like cute and cuddly freddie krueger cute and cuddly little jason <laughs> you know they're on valentine's now and they're cute and cuddly it's the cycle it's really strange to me that like they're mm-hmm. not you know like scary anymore yeah they're now they're now they're stuffed animals you know they're on blankets and pajamas and things like this uh-huh. and you you have a great little t-shirt with like what is yeah, it man of sweatshirt man of man of my dreams or something something like that or dreaming of you dreaming of you and it's freddie yeah. yeah and it's precious and, and look i'm not i'm not i don't have a problem in the world with it what yeah. i'm saying it's very interesting though right. that like in uh really since you know uh it's been a while now but that's the cycle, mm-hmm. you know, they yep. show. so now they're cute and cuddly. It used to be, you know, oh, these things are too violent, you know, uh-huh. and now it's like, you know, we're buying, you know, stuffed, stuffed animal, Freddy's Freddy and sleeping Kruger. with them, you know, like, and is that really the person you want to sleep with? Really? Uh, I mean, yeah. there are some people out there I that I guess. That- <laughs> I, I said it at the beginning of this section. We have late night fright podcast at gmail.com. If uh, if you have any thoughts on this, or if you've read anything, or if you have a stuffed Freddy doll, have, we'd take love a picture to and send it. Yeah, we'd love <laughs> we'd love to see it. But um, these are just some thoughts I had watching the movie, mm-hmm. and and to yeah. make of it which will. Speaking of the movie, let's get back to the movie. Yeah, I think the best aspect of this movie is uh, Mr. Manfredini's score. I said it uh, when we did the first movie, and uh, his. Score adds so much texture and atmosphere to this. I said it already. This movie is way better than it has any right to be. And his score is a nice cherry on top Mm -hmm. of the proceedings here. What do you think of the score? Because you were a huge fan of the first film score, Mm -hmm. were you not? Yeah, I actually really, really, really like this score as well. I feel like, like you said, it does add texture, but I feel like that's almost what I was, if this makes any sense, that's almost what I was kind of grasping at. Like, 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it necessarily, but it's it's definitely something you can hold on to. It's, yeah, it's like something, I felt like that was an aspect that was like it's a it's an anchor point of, yeah. of the movie, and he uh, I I don't know if he's still with us. Uh, maybe we need to check on the break. See, um, but he uses the score here in the exact same way that John Williams used the score in Jaws, mm-hmm. which. Uh, Williams famously had to use the score to symbolize the shark. And he did this really brilliantly in the first movie. Uh, There's one scene in particular where you think uh, Mrs. Voorhees is shooting arrows at the counselors, but there's no music. Hence, she's not there. Mm -hmm. But then anytime you have those point of view shots like they use in the first movie, if you hear the music, that's the killer. That's the killer. So (laughs) very on the ball, you know, and I think a very creative... uh, uh, use of the music. Uh, also, he famously gave us the, uh, k- 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 mm-hmm. you know, which is, I think, it's iconic in the horror genre. It really you is. Know? And um, he, I think he just, he continues in this film to use the score mm-hmm. the way that I like scores to be used. I don't feel that it's over the top. Mm-hmm. I feel like it adds to the drama. I feel it adds presence. At the same time, I don't feel like it's cartoony because yeah. that's, that's the problem some horror scores will get into is they're very cartoony. They uh, they'll they'll telegraph jump scares or yeah. things like that. This score doesn't do that, mm-hmm. and I and I like uh, the motifs he has with the chase scenes and things like this, mm-hmm. and and the general creepiness that it uh, it adds, it adds yeah. to the proceedings. I think I think he scored all of the original films, okay, in the Paramount run at least, uh, and uh, I think the world's a better place for having his oh, yeah. his scores in there. <laughs> uh, possibly maybe overlooked as. You know, one of the great themes. I, I think yeah, I would agree with you because it actually. It's got melody and tension. And, it, and, it, it does. And yeah. in watching it again, it stood out to me more. And I was like, you know, I don't know why I never really fully paid attention to it as much as I did, you know, as I am right now. But it's actually so good. And it really calls back to Bernard Herrmann's work with Hitchcock. It does. In, in Psycho I, and, I would, and other I, things. I was thinking of Hitchcock watching this movie. And, and I don't know if it's sacrilege with film snobs. Or not mm-hmm. to say that I said it already that this movie and the first movie does too. Uh, there is a Hitchcock influence on mm-hmm. these movies. I was thinking of it. I mean, the film Psycho. You have to first off you trace every slasher movie back, back. to Psycho, <laughs> but the techniques that Steve Miner is employing in mm-hmm. shooting this movie and in the editing of this movie and the way that things are constructed mm-hmm. is very Hitchcockian. Very. Now you can argue. <laughs> I love that word. Yeah, you can argue at what kind of level. You know, yeah. is it art or not? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is it's a very but you effective can see movie. The influence on it for sure. Yeah, I it's mean, an effective movie. Is all I care about. Mm-hmm. It's an entertaining movie to watch. That's the other thing. I enjoyed watching this movie. I, did I too. had so much fun watching this movie. And what I liked about it is I had my brain in the half position. Mm-hmm. It was like. <laughs> sort of off but it was on because it was it was a very kind of intriguing Mm -hmm. times movie um it's good it's really good stuff it's solid it's a solid solid entry into not only this franchise but into the slasher franchise i believe the more that i'm thinking about it, you sitting here i think it, it is so good because of the way that first movie is different I think I said it last week how Michael Myers starts as Michael Myers. You kind of move into that. Mm-hmm. So here you have your first movie where it's, where it's, you know, Mrs. Voorhees doing all this mm-hmm. work. And then 
they find this nice segue to keep her into the second, but you're moving into something different and it's still yeah. effective. Like, and this movie is, is kind of a, a, a turn. Mm-hmm. What is that? As they call them like poker, it's the turn, you know, yeah. because now it's becoming something else. Right. You know, um, yeah, but it's still that's a great all point. staying true to what that original vision was. It still feels like that first thing. It's just, moving in a different direction and I, I want to uh drop a little bit of trivia here uh like Halloween John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's original vision for Halloween was not to do a Michael Myers series their original vision was to do an anthology series set on or around Halloween mm-hmm. Sean Cunningham's original vision for Friday the 13th was to do a series of films that you know bad luck Halloween right. <laughs> uh that kind of you know that yeah. kind of thing um so it's kind of interesting that both franchises got taken over by a masked killer. <laughs> a masked killer. Yeah. Well, what are the odds? I don't know. <laughs> we need we'll have to, to punch that into themselves. the computer <laughs> on the break. Um, we're, we hinted at the, at the killer, Jason. Uh, we're going to talk about him and just we'll save him for last. Uh, but let's talk about his nemesis in this movie. Um, Amy Steele plays Ginny Fields. Uh, she is our final girl here. She has a previous relationship with Paul, played by John Fury. Let's talk about John Fury very quickly. Uh, Paul is the one that lays out the legend around the campfire of Jason Voorhees. He's the guy that is opening up this camp. Uh, what did you think of the character of Paul? Because uh, the Friday movies, interestingly enough, kind of... Whereas in the Elm Street films and Halloween, you have the girl, they will have a guy mm-hmm. kind of hanging around, you know, who may right. or may not make it to the end. But he's uh, he's not the final boy, but he's <laughs> he's a part of of the adventure for the majority of the movie. Yeah. What do you think of him? Because I I really I enjoyed his character. Yeah, I, I, I liked uh, the performance. I thought Mr. Fury. I would have liked a little more of him. I feel right. like. I think that's my only complaint with him because I did like him. Right. I feel like he kind of just could have disappeared a little bit. Yeah. 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 I liked his performance. I liked his character. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was lenient with the two who who ran off to the to the camp. You know. It, yeah. It's and and again, the acting here is not groan worthy mm-hmm. at all. It's not. No. It's not groan worthy. I think he gives a very good performance. I actually believed that this guy was this counselor guy who mm-hmm. was opening up the camp. <laughs> Before we get to Amy Steele, it does bring up another point I want to make. Are you at all familiar with the summer camp world? Because that's completely alien to me because I never went to like summer camp or anything like that. But I mean, so I guess I've seen it in movies. uh, Yeah, (laughs) I've seen it in movies. Never been. I guess it's kind of playing into a a experience. (laughs) Yeah. It's trying to play off of the fear of an experience that I never and had. Never yeah. ever had myself. <laughs> I don't even know. Do they still have summer camps? I, I, I mean, think I think they do. They do. Okay. I think they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where Faith and I live is really very hot, so <laughs> we don't really like to get out in the summer unless we absolutely have, have to. to. <laughs> you get out between the hours of like six and nine a.m. and then like you know like uh six in the evening until the sun goes down that, exactly. that's 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 your that's your golden hours right there <laughs> but uh amy Steele playing jenny fields uh she is our final girl here what did you think of her i actually really enjoy her i feel like she's very level-headed i don't feel like i'm yelling at her except for one moment but <laughs> right, I, we'll, we'll talk about that in but a second. 
it, it makes sense why she didn't, because obviously I guess the franchise wouldn't have continued. Exactly. But, or maybe it would have, because well, yeah, he could have probably pieced himself back together. Right. I I I agree with you completely. I like her. Uh, we have another girl in the franchise because we had Adrian King made a cameo at the beginning mm-hmm. of this as Alice, and you and I fell in love with Adrian King in Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. because we both made the comment that. Here we have a girl. We're not yelling at this girl. She's not. She's doing everything that, that you and I would have, that any sane, rational right. person would have done in the situation in which she found herself. Mm-hmm. And we were like, more power to you, girl. You know? <laughs> right. And here we have another girl who doesn't come across as a total idiot. And mm-hmm. so at this point in the franchise, the Friday films are two for two in that respect. Yeah. And I liked her character. I like her little VW bug. Me it, too. The way she dressed told me everything I needed to know about her with her little skirt, her little her little tank top, and so much of her character was in things that were not said. So much, you know, and I think she was absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. without being intimidatingly right. beautiful. This very soft mm-hmm. girl next door thing. Natural, yeah. And you don't want anything to happen to her. True. That's the real Very mark true. of a final girl. You don't want anything bad to happen to mm-hmm. her. So I thought she was really wonderful, and that's something to live up to, especially because Adrian King, I thought, was so good in the first movie. And so I like that at least at this point in the series that they're not, you know, you know, portraying complete idiots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we come to it. We come to it. The series takes a turn here, a uh, turn for the better or a turn for the worse. I don't know. Depends on your view. Uh, I don't know. We are introduced to one of the iconic slashers in the genre in this film, Mr. Jason Voorhees. He is uh, kind of in an embryonic state at this point because he is not yet wearing the hockey mask. Mm-hmm. He's going to pick that up in the third film. He is wearing a bag on his head here. He is dressed very much like a farmer, uh, and he even uses a pitchfork. At uh, <laughs> Does he use a pitchfork? In, he uses a pitchfork. Oh, he uses, he pitch uses the pitchfork in this one. They all run together after a while, right? Um, so before we get into it, I would just like to bring this up. I'm very confused about <laughs> his appearance in this movie because... I was under the impression that he drowned in 1957, which is why his mother went on the murdering some bitch and rampage that she did. Right. So did he not drown and go off into the woods and then grow into a man? Because uh, Paul, played by John Fury, does indeed say that, and Jason saw his mother beheaded that night. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't. And where did they get all this information? I'm right? I'm not exactly sure. They know a lot of things, they know a don't lot they? Of things. We need more information. <laughs> so I am, uh, this is how I'm going to justify this, that he is an angry spirit of vengeance. He's an angry spirit of nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an angry spirit of uh, biblical wrath of God, Old Testament wrath of God. And he did die in 1957, but the brutal murder of his mother brought him back somehow Mm -hmm. that's that's how i'm gonna justify it i I, can go there i started watching the third and the fourth movie and i I, they don't really ever justify it now you can go well they just didn't really care about continuity that's probably the most correct answer probably the the answer does it matter to you because and I'll even go back to the first film i guess you can kind of justify it because you do see him come up out of the water 
Yeah. Yeah. So possibly like, okay, well he can't. So in some way the spirit now is, is, is coming Mm -hmm. back. I mean, no, it doesn't matter. And yes, it also does matter at the same time. Right. Right. Because I feel like, you know, maybe it would make, it would make more sense how the story's playing out from the first one to the second one. But I don't know. Yeah. It's, I'm not sitting there like worrying about it the whole time. Right. Right. And it's, it's one of those things like you have such an airtight alibi for Michael Myers. You have such an airtight, I was saying alibi, you know, backstory, you know, right. for, for Freddy Krueger, you know. Um, and this one is just kind of like, oh, wait. Yeah. I, like, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> and it does not detract. But uh, again, late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Please let us know. I, because she says he drowned, which is why she's on the rampage. I mean, it's. Maybe he faked his drowning. Maybe he didn't want. To, to grow up with you, crazy lady, I, I don't blame him. Right? I don't blame him. Okay, so what did you think of Jason's appearance in this movie? Because it is a little different from uh, from what we're going to get with it's hockey mask Jason, and then different from uh, Jason Lives Part Six, where he's now a supernatural entity mm-hmm. going about his business. So, what did you think about the uh, the farmer farmer Fox. farmer in the Dell here? With uh, he can only have one hole in the in the bag too, because. <laughs> Poor, poor Jason. No, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's just for a second, it takes you out of it that it like you you have to remember that it's Jason because mm-hmm. it's not the hockey mask yeah. and you know the um, coveralls. You know? Yeah. So you have to kind of remind yourself, okay, this is kind of this is where it's starting with him. I don't know. I don't necessarily hate it. It, it didn't bother me. I think I think the movie is so solid as far as like. I mean, I the, get why he is covering his face. You know, yeah. when, I get that. Yeah. So maybe that's just it. It you know, it, it's something that uh, I guess I don't really need the hockey mask for it to be him because it's it. it I, I feel like this film really does set up the template for what's going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that the kills are kind mm-hmm. of manufactured and things like right. that and and his character mm-hmm. if you can call it that <laughs> but uh no it didn't bother me i like it i really i really like it uh let's get to uh well he kills a lot of people in this movie yes he does kills a lot of people in the movie <laughs> uses a variety of weapons we're going to uh, faith and i have been doing uh when we pick the movies uh, so the week before we make a, a kind of a wager as to how many deaths there are in the movie, we're gonna have a final count at the, at the end. But, uh, did you have a favorite instrument of death or did you have a favorite kill? I had a favorite instrument of death. I would like to share. It was a moment that was beautifully kind of homaged in Freddy versus Jason. Uh, I like his efficiency because he took out two people in a bed with a spear. Oh, I love it. And I think it's just, you know, if you sit Jason Voorhees down with the national budget, I think he's going to I think he's going to figure it out cuz he's efficient. <laughs> very He's efficient, very efficient. Very. <laughs> yeah. There was something that was so just uh and listen, I don't want you to think I'm a uh, I, you all out there are probably the same way with these movies. Like it just kind of made me giggle. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, I did kind of go ooh like that and it was like, "Yeah, it's <laughs> But he got he got two for one. I really I really enjoy that. The barbed wire with Crazy I Ralph. I like the barbed wire a lot. Was really good because it was so quick and brutal. I was gonna say it's really brutal. Like I mean, 
I don't know. I, I just. And can we talk about Crazy Ralph for a minute? Because Crazy Ralph is one of those kind of seminal beats in the first movie. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. Okay. So you got this, you got this guy and he does it again here in this movie. He's wearing his little, you know, bucket cap, you mm-hmm. know, Oh, you teenagers, you're all doomed. You're all doomed. Crazy Ralph walked out of like a Scooby-Doo cartoon into, you know, Crystal Lake, you Stop. know, you're all doomed. You're all doomed. And then, so he's telling him to stay away, you know, and then he goes out there and he's creepy. watching them. And all I can think about is like, uh, cause he's trying to see the girls naked. <laughs> I just want to see a piece of patch. I just need a piece of patch. He just needs to see a titty. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and then it plays in the whole thing. Like, is Jason this, you know, uh, weapon of the evangelical, right? Is he, is he one of the horsemen of the apocalypse doing God's bidding, smiting people who are doing things that they shouldn't, shouldn't do? Cause he sure does it. take out crazy Ralph. He takes out the kids having premarital sex. Mm-hmm. Was there drugs? Yeah. They smoked a little dope in this movie, didn't they? They smoked, smoked in this cause, cause so. Paul said, Oh, they smoke better dope than I do. So they had been smoking a little bit, but really the raging hormones in this movie, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I just want to see a piece of patch. You're doomed. You're doomed. I didn't like when Crazy Ralph went out. I liked. I, I didn't. I didn't like. That I liked either. Ralph, but hey, I get it. But it's, hey, he's creeping. He, you know, it's, it's got to happen, right? So that was that was a great death. Um, I do have a favorite death. I have a favorite death too. It's probably the same one, and it is the same one because we think alike. <laughs> uh, would you like to describe the death? Because we have a character in this movie who's in a wheelchair. This movie was representing before there was a thing such a thing as diversity and representation, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, they even had an Asian and a black counselor because they were, but then they went off into town. You never saw them again. <laughs> so <laughs> the counselors who went off to get drunk and stay out all night, they, they made it out of here. All right. I don't even know Good their names. Yeah. I don't even know the names of the kids nah. that, that, that doesn't matter. Um, but we have one kid, uh, he's in a wheelchair. He was in a motorcycle accident and he's in training and he's really strong in the upper body. And this mm-hmm. one girl's taking a liking to him and she's, and she goes off because they're going to have sex. Well, Jason takes care of, uh, well, everybody. <laughs> but th- this kid in the wheelchair is, I think, the best kill in the movie. Possibly one of the best kills in the in franchise. The franchise. <laughs> Possibly one of the best kills in any slasher movie ever. Because it goes from, ooh, you know, to ha-ha. Right. And then it goes into a Three Stooges bit. So, <laughs> Faith, would you like to describe what happens? I can't remember the first part all i can remember is just it's a machete it's a machete to the head i don't know what he was doing specifically but i just remember the machete to his head and then he starts rolling backwards in the wheelchair down was it the stairs oh it's stairs and it's like it's like those three flights of stairs like when you stand at a beach and you have to go down to the sand Uh and they don't pull away from it they show you each and every tumble oh yes and it's the overkill on it is just phenomenal, and I was I laughing my I, I was it. laughing my ass off every watching. single time. And when the movie started, and I saw him in that wheelchair, I got very excited because I went, "This is the one this where he the pushes one. the guy down <laughs> down the stairs." I swear, I thought the same thing. <laughs> very, very excited. We're terrible people, but I, I, I know, whatever. I know, but we didn't make it. It's Steve Miner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wanted to bring this up, uh, really interesting and, and, and kind of ties into, uh, one of his brothers in the genre. 
So I watched this movie and then I, I turned right around uh, a day later and I watched the third part. Uh, and then I had been watching part four before I had to come and, and do the show here and was really, I enjoyed part three. I still think part two is, you know, uh, part two is one of the best sequels I think in this uh, franchise oh, up yeah. there with six and, and uh, I like four a whole lot too, but uh, they're all very good and uh, they are what they are. And I've come to really appreciate them for what they are. Uh, they've traditionally not been my favorite franchise in yeah, horror. Me. Although I love the films, you know, and I yeah. love him and, and all that. But uh, I think it's really impressive. Uh, and this is not a knock on Jason or, or this franchise or anything, but it's making me kind of think about. So I'm watching this movie and I'm having a good time watching this movie and I'm having a, uh, you know, as we were talking about, you laugh at some of this stuff. You yeah. know, it's, it's overkill. It's cartoonish yeah. in a way. It really then got me thinking about, you know, uh, I was watching part four that came out in 1984, and that's the same year that Freddy Krueger debuts in, in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And that is not a movie that I watch, and I'm laughing, and I'm, you know, enjoying it, you know, right. on, on this cartoonish level, because mm-hmm. that's a movie that that really kind of strikes fear uh, into yeah. the into the darkest parts of your psyche. It, it's, you know, mm-hmm. and, which uh, we did an episode on that movie, and check that out. There's a lot of literature out there about, you know, the, the genius – of, of the creation of that character that Wes Craven put into that. Uh, you don't need us to tell you, <laughs> tell you that, but it's, uh, it's really interesting. I got to thinking about the, the golden age as we talk about here. And so you have a movie, it, it's, this is so impressive to me. You have a movie like Halloween that comes out and you have those sequels in there. Then you have Friday the 13th. But you also have movies like Graduation Day and, you know, and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, these one yeah. that you might not, you know, count up there in that kind of upper echelon like we do right. these franchises. But Friday the 13th, you know, and then you cap off, cap this era off with A Nightmare on Elm Street. That is so completely different from what comes before, because yeah. now it's really more of a psychological, <laughs> deep, dark, you know, yeah. uh, uh scare Mm -hmm. you know because here you know you've got the guy he's running he's you're in the woods and you're running it's a survival movie and there's no surviving with freddy there's no getting away from him so i just think it's a very interesting Mm -hmm. kind of uh uh in the way wes craven took took these ideas and then did something completely different and again not saying anything about the friday movies i love these friday movies but it's very interesting yeah it's very it's very interesting though like i said that you can watch these movies and yeah, you know, there's some scares and it's fun. It's fun though. It's fun. Yeah. It's like the haunted house. Freddy Krueger is like a dinner that sticks with you for like, you know, for <laughs> yes. like like uh, a day. You yeah. know, it's like kind of food poisoning. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's true. So, and we, I think we talked about it a lot in the Elm Street episode. There's reasons why it's so scary and so different mm-hmm. from it. So, I mean, I don't want to get into that, but I, I was thinking about that watching the sequels. I was going, I, I can't just watch the Fred, some of those Freddie movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to kind of be in the mood you because, be very present because they have those kind of deeper yeah. psychological. Now there's some deeper stuff here with nature, you know, maybe like the spirit of nature. And of course, you know, staying on the right path, wrath of God type stuff, as mm-hmm. we've talked about with, with this, uh, Jason, uh, Jason really, uh, you know, he kills the wrong, wrongdoers, you know? Yeah. And he doesn't kill kids because there's a, there's a whole 
thing going out right now. Spoiler, this, uh, what is this, uh, Terror, the Netflix series, uh, Terror 19... I don't know exactly. 84. Because they were saying like, uh, spoiler, I haven't seen it, but I was reading Fear like... Fear Street or something? Fear Street, yeah. And they were saying like, that show broke one of the cardinal rules with the Friday movies because you do see Jason with actual campers in part six. Mm-hmm. There's actual campers at Crystal Lake and he does nothing to them. Like he walks in, he looks, he sees them sleeping. No. Leaves them alone, yeah. Innocent, they're innocent, you know, lambs in his eyes. No, it's counselors he's going after and okay. But apparently like the killer in this thing like actually does swing the ax at, at kids. So I'm like, and that's interesting. That's, and that's where we are now with horror. Yeah. You know, that's because a reflection of the time and that interesting, that's a conversation we'll have at another date. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, so I guess you could read into it. You know, he does represent some elemental things, but uh, there you go. I like the movie. I really like the movie. I really did too. I like the movie a lot. Uh, I liked it a lot more than I uh, remembered. I remembered liking yeah. it. And, <laughs> and this is uh, actually kind of up there for me in the slasher genre. I really, I really like it. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. A lot of work went in this. A lot of, a lot of nice, nice, uh, nice uh, artistry yeah. went into it. I agree. It's a nice. good, solid movie. Good, like solid it. movie. Yeah. So we're going to take a very short break. This is a news break. So be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news. Not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. residents of Cozy Corner have been experiencing strange genetic mutations akin to zombification after drinking a toxic black goo that mysteriously fell from the sky. Scientists at the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff want to assure everyone that this is not the start of the zombie plague and to remind citizens not to drink the toxic black goo. The fact that people have to be told not to drink a mysterious substance is what makes me hate people. Traffic is what does it for me. In sports, I guess you would call this sports, possibly lifestyle and leisure news, Arnie Anderson, Cozy Corner's resident one-dimensional man, won the limbo contest this past Saturday night at Biff Buchanan's Burrito Barn. Anderson is, you heard it correctly, one-dimensional. How low can he go? Well, pretty low, at least according to his wife, who recently filed for divorce, citing a lack of depth in their relationship. Cozy Corner resident Derek Dobbs achieved a bit of notoriety this past week when all found out that he names each turd that comes from his body and weeps for them after flushing. That's it? I think naming your crap and crying after flushing, it speaks for itself. You hate people, don't you? I really do. Finally, world-famous clinical psychologist Dr. Phil McGraw of Dr. Phil fame has offered to sit down with mass murderer Jason Voorhees in an attempt to deal with the slasher's mommy issues. McGraw says it is a wonderful opportunity for healing. 
Jason has remained silent on the matter. And that is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores, Friday the 13th Part 2's Death Count, and a preview of next week's show. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And Harry Manfredini, at the time of this recording, is indeed still alive. Very nice. From Chicago, Illinois. Great Mr. name. Manfredini. It is a great name. It's very Italian. Very Italian. Yeah, very Italian. <laughs> very Italian. Very, uh, very innovative score, too. Really uh, dive into, uh, you can look that up online. He, he was doing some interesting techniques. Mm-hmm. With the score for the first movie, and then moving on into the uh, yeah. into the sequels, so he is still alive. Faith, would you like to uh, listen in to the Doctor Phil Jason Voorhees sessions? Oh boy, to see if there's there's any healing. Possibly. Could you could you imagine that? Now look, your mom is dead. Oh, you want to play the silent game? I can play the silent game. Okay, you're lazy. <laughs> Lazy. Killing people. It's a defense mechanism. All right, don't talk. That's fine. That's fine. I'll play the silent game too. What what tool or something what what do you think he would use on Dr. Phil? Because I have a feeling he'd like just get up and just kill him. Um Okay, I'm gonna go either with he's gonna use a clipboard <laughs> or he's just gonna twist the head. Because Jason has done some I've seen some one eighties, yeah. yeah. He's done some some neck neck twi- one eighty neck twists. He's gonna kill him with his mustache, in yeah. Some way, shape, or Just, form. <laughs> you want to play the silent game? I'll play the silent game. I do it all day. I don't care. I'm a jock. I don't care. God, <laughs> I'd love to see that. Though. There's a great there's a great clip. Uh, if you've never seen it, it was when. Jason Takes Manhattan came out in 1989. Arsenio Hall still had his talk show, and it was like one of the top things in the world at that time. And he had Kane Hodder dressed as Jason come out to promote the movie and did an interview segment with him, and it is like precious. It's pretty funny. And Kane Hodder played like, I mean, it's... It's pretty good. He gets the audience going too, because he kind of, you know, will will threaten Arsenio a bit, and uh-huh. comes out and it's hysterical because he doesn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, you know? I love it. And Arsenio was at the top of his game, so check that out if you uh, if you get a chance. <laughs> it's it's really pretty good. All right, so what we have been doing before we get to our final scores uh, during the summer slasher series, there's four films that we are picking from. We did Jaws already. We did Friday the 13th part two tonight. We have still in the bowl to pick. We have cheerleader camp, (laughs) AKA bloody pom poms. And we have sleepaway camp. So so I'm excited to see what's going to be next. But what faith and I have been doing is venturing a guess as to how many kills there would be in the movie. Mm -hmm. I guess that there would be 13 kills (laughs) in this film. Faith guessed 10 for the second week in a row, Faith <laughs> is the winner. There were nine deaths in the movie. 
Yo, the, and I swear I'm not Googling anything, I promise. The manners of death <laughs> are as follows. <laughs> we have death by ice pick, death by barbed wire, death by hammer claw, death by throat slit. So I'm going to uh, just a knife, I would say. We have our favorite machete to the face. <laughs> machete to the face. It's the first time he's using the machete, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Is that the is that the instrument of death you most associate with Jason, the machete? That's yeah. the, that's the one I go yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, we have a spear. He gets two people with the spear. <laughs> we got another one. Uh, somebody is stabbed in the gut, and then we have one death that we know happens, but we're not exactly sure how it happens. I believe that is the. Uh, Girl that goes skinny dipping. Don't go skinny dipping in these movies. <laughs> don't go skinny dipping. Really don't do anything in these movies. Yeah, yeah. In fact, just stay away from the lake. Just stay just, away. Just stay away. But I am happy to report that Muffin the dog does indeed make it. That we know of. That we, yeah, Well, we think so. I mean, so. he comes back, obviously, but yeah. then, you know. We, th- we, we, we you think so. You see him flying through the window. We yeah. don't know what happens after that. We, but we're going to assume the dog is fine because... Doesn't uh doesn't maskless Jason look like with his sideburns and long hair like he belongs in like a seventies rock group like like <laughs> humble pie or something, you know? Like oh, yes. he was in Fog Hat or something, or like the roadie for Fog Hat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. I really like this movie. Uh we are rating it in two categories tonight and in lieu of stars. We are going to be awarding it machetes because why not? It's Jason Voorhees. Why not? Uh what do you want to do first? Film? You wanna do film? Yeah, we can do film. First. All right. How'd you how'd you score the film? Uh, I gave it three machetes. Three out of four machetes. Yes. I also gave it three out of four machetes. I think it is just so solid. I think it is so likable. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's it's so well crafted. You know, Steve Miner I think deserves a lot of credit for this, uh, even if it is a documentary. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, three. Okay, so three on the film, and uh, how'd you award it on the kills? I went the same. I went three on the kills. I like the kills, but the th- the kill. Uh, count isn't as high as I would have wanted it necessarily. Like I wanted more. You're a sick individual. I know. You're a sick individual. But they're very. They are. They are cool and different. And they're very well done. And and the special effects are very very yeah. good. Uh, I went four okay. on kills. Uh, for the simple fact that he pushes the guy down the <laughs> down there, the flight of stairs. Yeah. No, I really I really enjoyed the uh, kills. I, I feel like they captured the right amount of uh, violence with without. Uh, being too grotesque. Being or, too grotesque. Yeah. yeah, it's not Predator. Yeah. You know, but uh, no, I, I like I like the creativity. I like I like these early movies like this where uh, the creativity level with the effects people is is, yeah. is very high. You know, yeah. you saw it in the first movie. You see it in in the movies going forward mm-hmm. uh, in the franchise. So I thought it was just really really well done. But you have a very likable cast. You have a very capable director. You have a great score. Uh, you got atmosphere in this movie, and it uh, it expands on the world of the first movie. And I feel like this is a, a really great sequel, and maybe one of the most important in horror because now we pivot to Jason, to as, Jason. as the killer. Yeah. So in the next movie, he would get his hockey mask. So he's just wearing that bag here. And as much as I don't like the the 2009 version of Friday the 13th, 
I do like the fact that they paid respect to this movie and they did have him in the bag, in the bag at, at yeah. a few points in that movie before he got the hockey. And we got to actually see him. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that was, uh, that was nice. Yeah. So, and, uh, elements of this movie again would appear in Freddy versus Jason. So all in all, I think it's a, I think it's really good. I think so too. I think it's really, really good. good. Movie. Highly recommend it. It was, no. it's a fun watch. That's, that's it, the most it, important it thing for me. It's a fun mm-hmm. watch. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun to watch this movie. Um, I can. Uh, I read a critic say they wonder why the Friday the 13th franchise took off like it did, you know, because they're like, oh, the movies aren't that great. Yeah, the movies aren't that great. But uh, this is a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch with an audience. It's a, it, Horror is really a communal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it is. And I believe these movies uh, help us deal with fear in, in very healthy ways. And it's and they're also a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun yeah, to watch absolutely. this. And this being not explicitly grotesque, mm-hmm. more of a on the cartoonish side, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, a scary campfire story, haunted house kind of thing. It's great. That's it's great. so great. And, and uh, I would love to watch this with an audience, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. We've watched... Uh, Faith and I watched Halloween together, the 1978 mm-hmm. film with an audience, and really enjoyed that. I yeah. have seen Elm Street 84 with a late night audience in a movie theater, and that also was a lot of fun. Even though I you've seen so. the movie, it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, horror is a communal experience, and with that in mind, we'd like to thank all of you for joining us here tonight, letting us drone on in your ears for a little while. So we have a movie pick for next week don't we and it's it's your turn to pick it's my turn to pick your turn as i said we started off with four movies jaws friday the 13th part two sleepaway camp and cheerleader camp and i'm picking the film now (laughs) i have next week's movie we've we've been picking these at random i can't wait are you ready i'm ready are you ready okay here we go It's amazing. We're actually doing these movies in the order they were released. So <laughs> that's so funny. Next week we have Sleepaway <laughs> Camp from 1983. The director is Robert Hiltzik. We've got a uh, cast that includes Felissa Rose, Catherine Cammy, Paul D'Angelo, and Mike Kellen. All right, Sleepaway Camp from 1983. If you are here in the United States, this movie is indeed available for free on Shout Factory TV. Uh, it's streaming on Shutter, also, I believe, but you can watch it for free on Shout Factory TV if you're anywhere else in the world. We do have listeners from around the world. Well, you're on your own. Yeah, just, just look it up. <laughs> you're on your own. Faith has never seen this movie, so Faith is in for quite a surprise. That's all I can say. So we have a movie. Uh, we did a movie in a franchise that is kind of aping Halloween. Now we have a movie in Sleepaway Camp that's kind of aping Friday the 13th, so go figure. All right. I was really hoping it would be Cheerleader Camp. Well, we know what's next. We know what's, what's next. We know what next week after, is. After, yeah, that movie. All right. We have to venture an opinion, a wager on the kills. Uh, Faith, uh, since you have won two weeks in a row, I'm going to guess first. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with nine. Oh, okay. My, my, actually, my number was going to be eight. You can go with eight. All right. <laughs> Dan in faith has eight. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. I like it. The best I can hope for now is a stalemate. (laughs) Stalemate. If, uh, if faith wins, she gets an evening with me, the horror 
the horror. <laughs> if you win, you get to host a mid-level <laughs> podcast <laughs> with me. There you go. If you'd like to contact our mid-level horror podcast, you can at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have a cute, cuddly Freddy Krueger stuffed animal in your bed, send us a picture or, in, or any horror stuffed animal. If you have matter. any thoughts on Jason Voorhees and how he came to be the killer in Friday the 13th, please let us know. Cause inquiring minds want to know, <laughs> uh, Mr. Whitaker in Pennsylvania, we'd like to thank you for uh, reaching out to us. Michael, we hope you had a great time at Blobfest. We hope all of you up there at Blobfest had a great time. Uh, please let us know how that went. Maybe next year we'll we'll try to get in on that. I would love Sounds to go. Cool, yeah. I would love to, as the world is now maybe sort of kind of getting back to some sense of normalcy. <laughs> it'd be nice to start hitting some conventions. I think mm-hmm. that would be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a lot of fun to take the show to the convention. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael, we'd love to have you uh, on the show in some capacity to let us know yeah. uh, what your experience of Blob Fest was like. And I promise you, Michael, we will get to the Blob 1958 uh, sooner rather than later. It's just uh, we couldn't we couldn't cut it with the schedule this week but thank you so much for the suggestion that was very that was very thoughtful and and thank you for the kind words and uh thank you for listening thank all of you for listening i've said it before it's a pleasure and a privilege to do this show we look forward to doing this show every week because as we've said on the show it's fun to talk about movies Mm -hmm. it's really fun to talk about horror movies and i want all of you out there we we're living in times where the powers that be really don't want us talking to one another. Yep. In fact, I'm going to use the word here. They'd like to segregate us. <laughs> they want to divide us and segregate us That's based true. on a whole lot of lines. We're not going to let that happen, are we? No, we're, we're not, not going to let that happen. Mm-mm. So my homework for you is to listen to each and every episode that we've done of this show. <laughs> Some of the early ones we really don't know what we were doing. In fact, we just figured out what we were doing two weeks ago. So, so there you go. It's a good place to start. But, uh, listen to every one of our shows. Uh, but also, uh, call up a friend, watch a horror movie, have fun watching a horror movie. This is a communal experience Mm -hmm. and then have a conversation about it. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It doesn't cost you anything either. Mm -mm. That's the thing. Conversation doesn't cost you anything. And uh, what better way to get a conversation going than to talk about something fun like Friday the 13th Part 2, right? Exactly. There's enough awfulness going on in the world right now. Enjoy this. Drown I'm not, it out I'm with... not telling you to ignore it. I'm just saying, get away from it yeah, for a can, little while. You can kind of drown it out like a little this. bit with some, you know, some positive stuff. There you go. There Horrific you go. positive. Horrific, but... but, but <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing, the irony that it's, it's, it's fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. So horrific, so fun. So horrific and fun. <laughs> Story of Faith's life. That should be like my what's like epitaph. My, yeah, it's your epitaph. I like it. I like it. <laughs> We'd like to thank each and every one of you. Be you a blob in Pennsylvania or uh, from around the world, spook, specter, or an astral being for tuning in. It really means the world to us that you tune in. I see the numbers every week, uh, every day, really, and it, I'm just I'm, I'm flattered. I'm flattered and humbled that you're all out there listening, and it, it means a lot. And uh, please continue to listen, and we'll continue to do our best here. We'll try to do the best shows that we can, and as always, these will be free shows. We're not we're not trying to get anything out of you. Unless you want to send us money, just because you can. And um, if you if you're sending a check, 
You spell our names, Cash, C-A-S-H. As always, be happy, be healthy, be safe, be sane, take your vitamins. Yes. That's it. Stay hydrated, too. It's hot. It's very hot. Summer. It's getting hot. All right. So Sleep Away Camp with Miss Felissa Rose is up next, and uh, I'm going to try and take the murder title next week. (laughs) Good luck. Been shut out twice. Been shut out twice. To give you just a little uh, hint of what's coming up, well, in two weeks, we're going to be doing cheerleader camp, a.k.a. bloody (laughs) pom-poms. And... uh, on the horizon past that, uh, Michael, we're going to get to the blob. Uh, Faith would like to do some kaiju films. Yes, I she would. She would like to do some big monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the fall comes, we're going to get into some of the more classic uh, horror films. Uh, we got some sci-fi coming up, too. And uh, we're always kind of looking at, at, at schedule. We try to... The great thing about the horror genre is there's so many blooms on there, the flower. There really are, you know. Yeah. So many genres. Uh, there's the great periodic table of horror that's out there. So mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, sometimes it's hard to pick. Sometimes it's, it really it's is. It, and and Faith and I take turns picking, and uh, sometimes it's difficult because you look at what you you don't want to saturate it mm-hmm. too much one way, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you want to kind of look at uh, decades where you're picking from. So it can be a little difficult, but uh, we're working. But we are going to uh, hit some classic horror, some kaiju films, which uh, I feel like we've kind of. Uh, neglected a little bit on this show, so I want to do some big monsters. We get some yeah, psychological. Yeah, like we've kind of teased them a little bit with with a few, and the, yeah, I want to do some more. I want to do some psychological horror, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to do another uh, thriller month like we've done in the past, mm-hmm. and uh, so a lot of stuff. But if there's something that you just absolutely think we need to do on this on this show, and you want us to do on this show, let us know. Shoot us a shoot us an email. Late night fright podcast at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you, and please let us know how Jason survived i still i'm still confused and and let um, like explain to us why he's in like a farmer's outfit like well he's the farmer in the delphi eh? <laughs> that's it that's it he's he's like working on a sec he's working like, on a sex farm faith he's trying to poke your hay you didn't know that god you know, uh, for some reason, this has happened. I didn't do it tonight. I want to do it before we sign off. Uh, for some reason, uh, over the past couple of weeks, somehow I've been doing Letterman in the show. And I guess I guess we're going to end with uh, uh, me doing Letterman. Maybe Faith can do a little bit of Paul Schaefer uh, <laughs> for the kids out there. Are you ready? Uh, uh, hey, Faith, uh, uh, you, you, you you like the Jason Voorhees, do you, Faith? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dan, I do. Uh, you, you like a... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's got a, he got a big pitchfork, doesn't he, Faith? Yeah, there. he does. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's not a very good letterman. You, wait, I have to say something before we, before we close. You said yeah. pitchfork. It made me laugh. He sees her in the car with the pitch. He's like, he has a pitchfork. He sees her yes. get in the car, but yeah. then goes around it and stabs on the side of her instead of like. That's how you do it, Faith. <laughs> Did you mention the fact that she didn't kill him with the chainsaw? No, I did not mention that. That was my one thing that made Faith, me like, you want to you, you want to mention about the chainsaw? There, yes, Dan, I do. She grabs a chainsaw, then drops it and takes a chair and hits him with it. <laughs> chainsaw him, <laughs> cut him up into pieces. Which then I was like, okay, well, maybe then the the franchise would be like you know a little a little difficult to go through. But right, it's Jason Voorhees. We don't even know how he even came to be right now. So right. He could probably put himself back to pieces for all. Yeah, it's like I, it's like I, it's like I've always said, Paul. Uh, there's nothing sexier than a woman with a power tool. 
Hey, <laughs> all right. All right. The coffee's wearing off. It is that time. Thank you all again for tuning in. Thank you for letting us drone on in your ears. Feel free to drone back. Late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Faith, does it feel like it's that time? It does. All right. On the count of three, let's see if we can make the magic happen. One, two, three. All right. Sleepaway camp is up next. Do your homework. Yes. Faith, I can't wait for you to see this movie. I can't wait either. It's got a lovely twist. <laughs> lovely, lovely twist. I know nothing about it. Good. So don't look it up I either. Won't. I don't want you I like to, look to be it up. surprised. Oh, you're going to be surprised. <laughs> you're going to be surprised. <laughs> All right. Time to say goodbye. Isn't yes, it, it is. <laughs> be you at Crystal Lake or Springwood or at Sleepaway Camp. Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. Mommy is pleased. Mommy is pleased. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on the other side.